Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, May 4th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The Royals are in first place. The Royals are in first place. The Royals are in first place. I have to keep reminding myself of that for a couple of reasons. First, nobody outside of that clubhouse would have expected the Royals to be in this spot four days into May. But also, they've dropped three of four to Central Division rivals, and pitching has been rough for the most part. Although the Royals did get a nice Major League debut from Daniel Lynch on Monday, the tall lefty departed the game with a 3-1 lead after four and two-thirds, and the Royals couldn't keep it for him in an 8-6 loss to Cleveland. On today's show, which started as a Sports Beat Live, we talk about Lynch's debut, Jacob Junis to the bullpen, and everything else Royals with beat writer Lynn Worthy, and columnist Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian. Lynn says I have an audible sigh after something he said. See if you can pick it up. Anyway, let's get started talking Royals. Hey, good morning from Kansas City, and welcome to Sports Beat Live, the weekly show where we talk about first-place baseball teams and the moves they make. Our conversation happens with the folks in the media who know the Royals best, beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam Melliger and Bahe Gregorian. And with you, please send us your questions and comments and talk Royals with us. Hey, before we get started, let's take a moment to salute our sponsor, the University of Kansas Medical System. And um, good morning, guys. Good morning and happy Star Wars Day. Yeah, what is that about? Uh, ESPN's doing a game tonight where some announcers are dressed as Star Wars characters and Oh, well, I, didn't, I wasn't even talking about ESPN. I was just, you know, May the 4th, as in May the 4th be with you. Thank you very much. And that would explain <laughs> that would explain ESPN's decision tonight. So, anyway. Uh, I didn't know – I didn't know that just having it be the 4th would make it <laughs> our worst day. But I think that uh, our producer, Beth Welsh, is, is pretty into it based on the uh, email she sent us to get this started. <laughs> Um, all right. So, hey, um, it's always a special occasion for the Royals when uh, somebody makes their major league debut. We've seen it over the years, right? The, the, the Royals tend to celebrate this this occasion, and such was the case on uh, Monday night when Daniel Lynch uh, debuted. And big, tall, left-handed pitcher, I thought he pitched pretty well. Vahe, you were there. Let's just uh, talk about his performance and the aftermath of, of, of Daniel Lynch and then the, the circumstances that brought him to Kansas City. Let's talk about just last night, Vahe. How did he do and, and what was his reaction? I, I thought he did do pretty well. And, and you know, he walked off with a three to one lead. And uh, I think. Uh, Royals Nation, both in the stands and on Twitter, was uh, wanting him to stay in with two outs in the fifth and, and not not turn it over to Barlow. But I think it, you can make a case either way, right? It's one of those things where whatever uh, works out is the right answer. It didn't quite work out with the inherited run scoring. But but look, I, I think he, he had a few things going on. Um, no doubt he had jitters. Um, the expression he used after the game was uh, he was so juiced that he could barely see. Um, I've never heard anybody put it quite that way. And it, 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 uh, it really struck me as, as pretty vivid explanation of what that might feel like. Um, and that maybe that showed up on the very first pitch that got crushed to deep, deep center field. 
And I, I have to be watching that part of it with uh, Joel Goldberg and Jeff Montgomery for a minute up by the TVs. And uh, Jeff Montgomery, the great Royals pitcher, made a comment that uh, his body language afterwards he thought was uh, really good. He was kind of loose and laughing with um, with Dozier. And later on, when uh, I asked him about that, actually, and he said uh, that <laughs> Gerard Dyson had told him he's playing center tonight, so just send them all out to me. And then I guess Dyson gave him some guff and said, I didn't mean the first pitch. Uh, <laughs> but but look, I, the, the broader point is he was in trouble a lot, as, or as Mike Matheny put it, a lot of stress. And he kept hanging in there, um, had, had a couple really good fielding plays behind him and a couple, couple lapses. And, you know, it's just a shame that it wasn't a double play uh, at the at, in the fifth, uh, Whit Merrifield turned it and the ball sailed on him a little, and uh, that would have been the out, and he would have walked off with a three to one lead to keep. I think it was a pretty good outing. I I know uh, Sam was I think going to write something about him as well, and Sam was observing, and I know Lynn kind of goes back a little bit with him since you I think have spoken with him a number of times. Yeah, going back to, um, you know, he's part of that that infamous draft class, the 2018 class that has Brady Singer, Chris Bubich, Jackson Kowar himself. And then even if you go back, you know, um, you go into the third round of that draft, I believe, is when they got Kyle Isbell. So 2018, obviously, that draft class was a big, uh, big group for them. But, um, yeah, I talked to him a few years back. He's the one that um, sort of made the big leaps in terms of his velocity after they drafted him and, um, you know, he's the one that you know, Baseball America, MLB.com have as one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. You know, a left-hander who throws upper 90s, who's got just ridiculous stuff that, um, you know, you've heard guys in the big league club talking about him for a couple of years, whether that's Danny Duffy just talking about this guy is nasty, like the first time you saw him in big league camp or the guys who have had to face him. So, um I thought it was interesting because, you know, Dayton mentioned it a little bit on Sunday night when they made the announcement that, um, you know, it, it sounded just the way Dayton was talking like this was they were bringing him up now, but they were looking sort of long term with him. And um, it was interesting because I got back yesterday from the road trip and when I was driving back. I was listening on the radio and J.J. Piccolo, the assistant GM, mentioned on the radio, he's talking to 610, that um, part of the thinking was also that. They wanted to get him going now so that later in the season, hopefully they're playing games that are meaningful and, you know, in contention. They don't want him sort of going through some of these growing pains and sort of feeling his way through things then. They want him to sort of be already have hit his stride. And I thought that was interesting to hear him say that. Yeah, look, uh, not to be lost is that uh, Daniel Lynch made his major league debut, you know, the first week in May while the Royals are in first place and not in August or September when, if that had happened in, you know, 2018 or 2019, the Royals would be 40 games out of, out of first. It was a leverage moment for, for the Royals. And um, yeah, Lynn, I'm glad you brought up that he, he is ranked high in, in, uh, you know, prospect rankings. And I think, number two in the Royals organization behind Bobby Witt Jr. as well. So, um, you know, again, I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a solid debut for, for Daniel Lynch. And let's, uh, before we talk about the circumstances that brought him to Kansas city, let us, let's hear from, from Daniel Lynch. This was in the post game press conference last night. Can you just describe the emotions that you felt going out there on the mound for the first time? 
um, especially in that first inning? Uh, I felt like I could barely see. Um, I was so juiced up, but I just really tried to take in the moment. And um, it was, I mean, it was amazing. Um, it's obviously the most people I've ever thrown, like, thrown in front of the loudest the stadium's ever been after an out. I was so shocked the first out how loud it was. Um, but it was just a really amazing experience. I'm super thankful. Alec? Um, after you could start to see again, uh, how, how did you think it went <laughs> as a whole? Um, you know, I, if I'm being picky, I, I just – I didn't feel like I had my best stuff. Uh, I, didn't, I don't feel like I commanded my fastball as well as I wanted to, but I, I was really happy with the way I battled and competed. And that's the most fun I've had competing in a baseball game in a long time. Um, and I thought that was, that was what I was really happy with. Like, it didn't go as smoothly, um, but, you know, I kept us in it, and I felt like I competed really well. Hi. Daniel, just along the lines of what you're saying, um, that first pitch, um, it, it looked like you were either talking to yourself or Hunter right after it, um, but having a little bit of a light moment with it too. It, you just uh, recall what you said and what that felt like to get that out of the way that way? Uh, Dyson told me before the game that he's playing center and to send him out the, uh, his way. Um, he said, I didn't mean the first guy, and uh, hopefully I didn't really mean to let him hit it that hard, but – I'm glad he was out there. So, um, you know, it's just you get you get the first one out of the way. You can kind of take a deep breath. And um, but it was yeah, we were just joking about that. Good stuff from from, from Daniel Lynch. Um, Sam, haven't had heard from you yet. Uh, did you watch it? And what did you think of Daniel Lynch? I did, and and everything he said that I thought that was perfect because. I think that's what we all saw, right? Like guys are going to be nervous. Like, I mean, can you imagine you work your entire life and now you get this moment and you're finally, you know, it's, it's your dream uh, and you're living it in real life. So you're going to be nervous, but I don't know how many times I've seen a guy that just visibly, I mean, the breathing Remember, Like, I mean, he was, <laughs> it was crazy and, and he was still, and everything he said there was, was exactly on point. I don't know if it's confirmation bias on, on my part, but like, his fastball, he couldn't command it. I mean, he he was missing, he was missing the strike zone by you know two, three, four, five inches on on a lot of those pitches. But you can see everything in that outing was sort of what we've been told Daniel Lynch is. I mean, you can see like when he's on. I mean, th- there's like potential no hit kind of stuff from him when when he's on when that slider is sweeping through and you know that the change up and, and or curveball you know just get a little bit better to give him a third pitch so it's not just the the you know that andrew miller sort of randy johnson big lefty fastball slider combination um you know like he, he's gonna have some no hit kind of nights i think um and and i also love what he said about competing um you know because that's we talk so much about just like stuff and and uh, you know, the technical parts of pitching, but some of it is just sort of what you've got in here, you know, and, and, you know, we, we talk all the time about Brady Singer like that, right? Like super hyper competitive guy. Um, I think Chris Bubich um, has a lot of that in him as well. That guy's kind of, you know, kind of a, a baseball version of a warrior. And, and I think like Daniel Lynch, it was cool to see him in those moments and, and kind of rise to that occasion. And it, look, I, I don't know how much of that fastball command stuff was, um, 
just how nervous he is, right, in that moment and how much of it um, was just something we'll see from him. Um, but, God, if, if he's off and, you know, when he leaves the mound, he's four and a third and he's given up one run at that point, if that's his off day, um, they really got something. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and look, like pitchers have the advantage when it's, you know, when, when they're new. Pitchers always have that advantage. So, you know, he's, he's got to shore some stuff up. But you can, you know, it, it's just the other thing I think, and I'm sorry, I'm like, um, uh, this is Carmelo, as, as Therese would say right now. But um, <laughs> the, the other thing that, that, sticks, <laughs> that sticks out to me about this is, is you mentioned it, Blair, but they're, they're in first place. This is a team that can get more talented as the season goes along. You know, they just added a guy with that talent. They're going to add Bobby Witt Jr. fairly soon. They've, they've got some other guys that are coming up. Mondesi will get healthy eventually. Um, you know, it's just it's it's an interesting thing. They're in first place, haven't played as well as they can, and are going to get more talented. It's a really interesting time for the Royals right now. Hey, just one quick aside, because I, I felt compelled to text this to Sam last night. Those nerves can go a lot of different ways in an opener, and, and I was trying to remember who it was that had – just such a wretched first start. Um, And it was the same reminded me, it was Aaron Brooks um, some years ago. And as I recall, I hope we wrote this, uh, that that there was a a Royals executive who had fought hard to get him that start. And when the start went awry, uh, he's known to have said, oops. Well, yeah, well, the, the, the story was that he, he said that he did the old, you know, the bang on the table thing. Right. And he said, because there was a there was a debate between Aaron Brooks and I forgot the other guy and and um, our, our, our unnamed executive <laughs> banged on the table. And he said, look, I don't know if Aaron Brooks is going to go, you know, eight innings and give up one run with 10 strikeouts. But I can tell you this. He's not going to S the bed. You know, he's not just going to. And he, he ended up going like. One inning gave up like ten runs or something like that, and our executive just goes, "Whoops, <laughs> my bad." That one's on me. What had happened was, <laughs> oh, oh gosh. All right, uh, we're actually going to hear from we're, uh, we're going to hear from Dayton Moore a little bit later in the show, and it, it is the question that you asked him yesterday, Sam. I thought he gave a really interesting answer about yeah, yeah. that. Okay, so uh, Ron Daniel is our, uh, our is our asks what about Jacob Junis disgruntled? So that uh, perfect transition into the circumstances that led to the Daniel Lynch start. So what do we think about this, Lynn? Um, Jacob Junis started the season right in the bullpen because the Royals didn't need a fifth starter until about two weeks in. Jacob Junis took over that spot and. Pitched pretty darn well. I think just one bad inning, really, in his four starts. But 380 ERA, had 24 Ks in 21 and a third innings. Uh, um, and over the weekend, uh, while you guys were up in Minneapolis, you got the word that he was going back, He was going to the bullpen. Look, the, the Royals need help in the pen, right, because of injuries. But still, I I was, you know, he said all the right things, but, he, but when he was asked about this, but – one of the things he also said was he was surprised that he got this assignment. Uh, what do you make of this? Well, in spring training, I think he came out. Well, I know he said he came out in seven. We asked, you know, he wanted to be a starter. And he sort of earned that that right with what he did in spring training and through the first couple of starts of this season. Um, you know, and obviously he's 
somewhat remade himself with the cutter and um, he pitched well, he pitched well as a starter. Um, and, you know, I'm sure fans will point to a guy like Brad Keller and say, so that's the guy that you're going to keep running out there. And this is the guy you're going to go to the bullpen. Well, June has also proved that he could pitch out of the bullpen and they feel like he could pitch in spots that they're going to need guys because you got Zimmer down, you got Han down and, Matheny has already talked about not wanting to run some of these guys into the ground, whether that's Barlow or Stalmont or Holland. And so you need somebody else that you can trust and that they don't feel like there's guys in the minors that they're ready to pull up and say, okay, we're going to throw you in the leverage situation. They just don't have that right now. So Junis is that guy. They trust him. Um, and, you know, he, and again, when they put him in the bullpen at the beginning of the season, he sort of said the right things and took it in stride. Um, again, knowing that he probably earned the right to get some starts, and then he did get those starts and he performed well, and now he's going back to the bullpen. So he's saying the right things again. But um, I think ultimately, I think what they're selling him on and what he is trying to buy into is the fact that he could help them win at a high level out of the bullpen, and they could still have somebody start who's going to potentially help them win too. And so Overall, it's, it makes them a better pitching staff. Well, he, he got his he returned to the bullpen in last night's game, and look, it was, a, it was there were some strange things that happened. Vahe mentioned earlier the double play that wasn't turned. That wasn't when Junis was on the mound, right? That was uh, Daniel. Yeah. Lynch. But 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 at when Junis was on the mound, he got looks like he got squeezed a little bit and. Um, and he didn't. He came in when it was three three, right? Barlow had thrown a wild pitch. Single brought in two runs to make it three three. And then in comes Junis. He gives up a couple of home runs. Um, I, I, I I don't you know I, I don't know if his head was in the right place or if he was thinking about uh, the, the the events of the last twenty four forty eight hours. But it wasn't the best of Junis that we saw last night. His slider and. It, it was ahead, just, well, they called a cement mixer, right? I mean, it, his slider was spinning, but it wasn't breaking. I mean, it, it was just hanging right up there, and and it got hammered. And there's no way to know, right, without getting into his head about was that because I think he's pissed off. Like I, I just like when, when when they brought him out, and kudos to the Royals for doing that. Uh, but I thought it was pretty clear that this is a guy that um, when he's talking to his buddies, he's really pissed off about what just happened, but. <laughs> He's enough of an adult and a good teammate, yeah. you know, all those things enough to, you know, at least say verbally the right things. But I thought it was pretty obvious. He's and, and I don't know if there's connection there, right? Like we don't know. It could be a coincidence, but that slider it just wasn't. Yeah. That thing was hanging up there. It, it, those, those, those two home runs deserve to get hit. You know, it well, was interesting could, because there's a lot of, uh, for lack of a better term, fan fussing last night over his his strike zone, and a couple he did get squeezed a little bit. Um, but I thought that he didn't get squeezed as many times as people seem to think. Um, and I, I do suppose with the way the Royals do things, we, you know, I, I would fully expect that before the game, he, he might have been told to be ready because you don't, you don't really know what's going to happen in the guy's first major league start. But I, I would think that would be an odd thing. Like, we're not starting you, but we want you to be ready. Um, <laughs> you know, it, I think that could be odd. So, like Sam said, um, 
hard to be in his head, but I, I'm not sure he was gruntled. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, I, I wonder if he gave if he gave one of those sighs like Blair gave a couple minutes ago because Blair had that that sigh after I started giving him the this is what I think is going on and Blair gave the sigh that said I'm not buying if if he let out one of those sighs and that explains that outing last night I guess because <laughs> that was uh, yeah yeah all right. <laughs> Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Well, I guess my question is, um, based on results of April and a day or two into May, did the right guy go to the bullpen? Well, the, the right starting pitcher go to the bullpen. I think, and I'm not saying um, before we get another sigh. Um, I'm not <laughs> saying this is this is right or wrong, but I think it's clear that they've made the decision that um, you know they're going to keep they're going to stick with Keller no matter what. If that's what people you know just going by social media and that sort of stuff, that, that that's what people think they ought to do, they're not doing it. And you know, it's one of the reasons that I wanted to make sure I asked you know. Um, uh, Dayton Moore yesterday, just about where they, what their confidence level is with Keller and that they sort of have a handle on what's been behind his inconsistencies. And um, he, he sort of answered and, you know, didn't answer at the same time. I think he actually did. I mean, you know, I think if you read into it, basically he said, Keller's got to be better. The defense has got to be better and that they still believe in him. I mean, he, he, Basically, that's what it boils down to. I mean, he didn't say that it was, you know, he didn't put it all on the defense. He didn't put it all on Keller. He basically said that, that it's a combination of all that has to be better, but that they believe in him and that they're not worried and they're going to keep running him out there. It, hey. it makes sense. I think that, that they feel more confident in Junis being in the bullpen than they do Keller. You know, I, I think that part of it makes sense. And Keller's been really terrible you know a couple times but there's also been some times where he's run into some bad luck like like lynn just said and that that defense thing is real and it's especially real for him because he's not a strikeout pitcher he pitches to contact a lot of ground balls and so that stuff matters a lot for him and it matters more than it does for other guys and when, when mondesi comes back and and plays shortstop they're going to get significantly better at both of the middle infield positions that's a huge deal because, you know, Nicky Lopez is a really good second baseman, but he's getting exposed at shortstop, I think. like He's just a little bit overmatched, um, you know, as far as big league shortstop. So they'll, they'll get, you know, an above average, I don't know, top 10 defensive shortstop in Mondesi, something like that. I think we can say that. And then, you know, the same deal um, at second base. So that'll be a bigger deal for, for Keller than it is for some other guys. We're assuming that Nicky's going back to second in, in your scenario there, right? Is that uh, what you're assuming there or are you talking about wit? Um, yeah, I mean, Lopez at second is what, you know, in my scenario, but you're right. Like, well, that's, well, and that's, yeah, 
Well, that's that's what the other question that I asked that, you know, we really didn't quite get an answer to because they're not going to, you know, they, they don't have to make that decision yet. So right. they won't. Yeah. But that was, you know, so what's the plan going to be with Nikki? Because we know he was going to be in the minors and now he's come up and played well. And um, and they, you know, basically the thing is what he's done so far is the sorts of things that, you know, this offseason Dayton and, you know, Mike Matheny talked about if he can do this. We could we could have him at second base, especially if Mondesi is giving them something more than you know not what they got that first month of last year, but he's giving more than that. Nikki's giving them what he's giving them now, then they can roll with that in the middle of the infield. Um, and so Nikki's been giving you that, but at this point, you've also had Wit there, and you sort of set things with Wit being at second. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out if you're going to put Wit back in the outfield and, and how that's going to go. And I still think, and I mentioned this before, um, I still think that at the point when Bobby Witt comes up, I think they're still looking more towards third base and moving Dozier around than, you know, second or short, which I, that was originally what I thought. And then once we saw spring training so much second base, I thought, well, maybe not. But I think that's that's going to be the, still going to be the plan is he's going to be, from what I understand, short and third is what he's going to be looking at in the minors. So I think when he comes up, the idea is that he'd probably go third more likely and then be moving Dozier around. All right, we're going to take a break here, guys. And uh, as, as we go to break, I will note to self, pay attention to the audible size. <laughs> the Kansas City Royals lineup is backed up by the region's strongest team in healthcare, The University of Kansas Health System. We both suit up with one goal in mind, to win. The University of Kansas Health System, official healthcare provider of the Royals. Okay, we're talking first place Royals with Lynn Worthy, Sam Mellinger, and Fahe Gregorian. And on Monday, we heard from Royals general manager Dayton Moore. We understand that's, you know, we usually, you know, have access to, to date more when we are covering games and have access to the clubhouse dugout. That's still not the case in the in the COVID world. So Dayton was kind enough to join reporters for uh, more than 20 minutes on Monday. And I thought it was pretty interesting. Sam, you asked this question. Let's hear from uh, Royals general manager Dayton Moore. You guys have always had a good start, but one of the things that I hear people say a lot um, is sort of, you know, yeah, they're 16 and 10, whatever the record is, but, you know, they can still be better. Um, just curious, I, I assume you agree with that, um, other than getting your shortstop back, right? Like, what are the ways that that you see that happening over the next five months of the season? Yeah, I mean, we're going to need we're going to need to continue to, to develop from within. That's why I'm really looking forward to the minor league starting. Um, I mean, the way this thing's trending right now. Um, you know, we're, we're going to need more pitching. We're going to need more depth, um, you know, throughout the year. I, I believe we have that uh, internally. We don't have enough roster spots because the, the roster from a talent level is uh, uh, at, a, at a pretty high level, actually, right now, we feel. And there's not a lot of room to add guys, but, you know, there'll have to be some tough decisions that we're going to make along the way. Um, again, being able to utilize Hunter Dozier and Whit Merrifield in those versatile roles is going to be really important for our depth. Uh, and as we go forward, I mean, just the, the mindset and the attitude of Jake Junis, 
uh, is a great predictor to where these uh, where these 26 men are right now with expecting to win and wanting to win uh, with the, the mindset that they'll uh, perform in any role uh, that we ask them to do for the good of the team. Uh, and so I think there's there's a lot of positives in, in our group. And you know I've been asked quite a bit over the last couple of weeks about the start of our team. And I sum it up uh, the following way. Uh, I mentioned, you know, Mike Matheny, the great work that he and the coaching staff do each and every day. And the fact that we got winning players, we got players that, that know how to win, been a part of winning teams in the past. Uh, they develop uh, a sense, an instinct, a feel, uh, a belief on how the game's going to go sometime within the first three innings. And they start anticipating what they're going to have to do over the next six, seven innings uh, to win the game. And so when they're put in that situation, they're prepared for it. And and that comes with experience um, where a lot of young guys are just, you know, inning to inning and, and they're just trying to uh, kind of hang on a little bit and try to do a, a little something and survive. I mean, this group of players, have, you know, they've been around for a little bit and they've got a pretty good feel of what they're going to have to do uh, to win that baseball game a couple in, uh, innings in advance. And so um, but, you know, we're going to need to clean some stuff up. Uh, you know, we're, we're putting the ball in play at a much higher rate, which is good. We still chase a little bit. We're going to have to improve on that, take our walks, win the three-two counts. Um, uh, you know, uh, the interior defense. We're, we're going to get a lot better there um, as as we go forward. I, I believe in that. Uh, uh, as I said before, I see great signs in, in Hunter Dozier and Jorge Soler. I mean, they're about ready to to break out. And, and the important thing is, we have several guys in our lineup that have the ability to carry us, uh, not only for one game, but for a week and even a month. And, uh, you know, we'll get all those guys going at one point in time and we won't have a good month. We'll have a great month. And so, um, you know, that's that's the way I see it. Um, but again, Sam, I mean, when you look at and I think there's probably 27 or 28 other teams, maybe all 29 looking at their pitching staff, their rotations and their bullpens and knowing that uh, you know, there's five more months to go and then hopefully a postseason. And so we're going to need a lot more depth. Not a good month, but a great month, maybe, um, in store for the Royals. But it's not off to a great start, uh, that's for sure. Uh, takeaways from that, I, I thought there were some interesting, you know, the, the way he framed the Jacob Junis um, attitude. Uh, I love the idea of winning three, two counts, taking walks when when they're there. seems like the Royals have done that much better this year than in years past. It can still improve in, in that area. Um what was, what was your big takeaway from this, Sam? Yeah, I, I thought what what I heard, um, and and over the years, I think we've all developed a, a you know a fluency in Dayton, and um, my my translation there is, is basically three things: um, the develop from within. He said that early, and I, I think that means all these minor league guys coming up and transitioning and that um, because of 60 games last year to 162 and you're depending on a lot of guys that have never played 162 game season there's going to be a lot of up and down and and you know the pitching staff all those innings are going to have to be divided um, among more people so it's it's starting with Daniel Lynch and then there's there's going to be more coming 
The other thing um, I heard him say was um, they got to clean some stuff up defensively. I think this is a good defensive team. Some of that, you know, Mondesi, again, um, he's going to make them better defensively. But, um, you know, Mondesi's not going to change Hunter Dozier, you know, the other day in Minnesota. Like that just that stuff just has to clean up. And then the other thing I heard with the uh, and I'm not just it's not just Hunter Dozier. Um, it's, you know, there, there's, there's some other guys, Salvi, you know, kind of, he gets lazy sometimes on, on some balls in the dirt and just moves his glove instead of moving his body. Um, the little things like that. Uh, and the other thing that, that three, two count thing, um, what, what I hear him saying there is that, you know, they're not the Dodgers, right? They don't have just an overwhelming level of talent. And so their path to win has to be clean like that, you know, take an extra base, um, turn in double plays, all those things like the Rays. <laughs> you know, they need to be, you know, a little bit more like the Rays. Th- th- those are the three. I What I heard was th- those are the three things he was emphasizing. That 3-2 count thing came in, you know, would, c- comes in handy in games like last night when you when you got a strike zone that was yeah. kind of, you know, a little bit odd. Um, so, um I, I I don't know. Um, you know that that press conference was t- was you know happened obviously before Monday's game, and some of the things that he was not you know that they talk about cleaning up occurred in that game, right? I thought Salvi did get a little lazy on that pass ball, and um, <laughs> and and uh, Indians ended up walking more than the Royals did, and there is a less of a margin for error for a Royals team like this, and there are for bigger budget teams, but I, but April's proven to us, hasn't it, that uh, w- when they do the right things, they, this, this team can be competitive and, and have a chance. And they're, you know, still in first place, 16 and 11 now, in a critical stretch of their, eh, critical, right, is early, but there's 17 straight games against American League Central teams uh, right now. So, you know, who knows where they, they, they got started off poorly, losing two out of three from the Twins, and then dropping the first game to Cleveland, but they got the White Sox, the Indians, the Tigers still in front of them for, um, for the 17 game game stretch. Um, you know, I wanted to, before we left today, uh, I wanted to bring up the fact that it's, it's May, it's as, as Vahe reminded us, uh, may the four be with you. It's, it's the 4th of May and it's the first day of minor league baseball uh, in two years. Right. Um, there has yeah. not been minor league baseball played in a couple of years. And the minor league baseball that's starting today is different. At least the structure and the system is different than what we remember from two years ago. Lynn Worthy covered minor league baseball uh, much more recently than I did. Uh, I go back into the into the early 1980s. I know Sam and Vahe never covered minor league baseball. <laughs> But, but Lynn and I have been out out to those ballparks, wow. and uh, <laughs> uh, Lynn, and Lynn, you've been you've been several uh, covered several teams in several leagues. Um, it, it's it's just going to be a different world, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean it's um, obviously fewer teams, and I mean um, there's a certain part of me who that's just obviously not uh, not happy about seeing some places lose teams. I mean. I grew up in Lowell, Massachusetts area, and to see you know they're one that they have they've had a team. I remember when that team got put in there, and for them not to have a team this year, obviously, is something that um, you know not uh, not going to pretend I'm happy about. But at the same time, to be fair, I think 
it, one of the reasons they've talked about doing this was uh, to upgrade certain things for players, whether that's travel facilities and all that. So, I mean, in that way, I would like to think that it's a good thing. But it's going to be different. It's going to be it's just going to be different to see to not have some of the leagues that you had before, whether that's, you know, like I covered the New York Penn League. I covered the, the Eastern League. Um uh, for a brief time, helped out covering international league and then the um, the Pacific Coast League, and so there was a certain, um, you know, you, there was whether it's a rhythm or just a personality to some of these places. And now a lot of that's up in the air. A lot of that's going to be gone because teams are, you know, double A teams that you know were short season teams before, and and so everything's different. Um, and I think maybe in time, you know, we'll, we'll sort of get used to this and um, fan bases maybe will uh, uh, latch on to some of these affiliates. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's going to be different. Um, again, if it's better for the players, then, you know, that's that's a good thing. But uh, for right now, it's just they're not going to quite feel the same. Yeah, a lot of jobs lost, right? I mean, every every major league team has uh, four affiliates. And back, you know, in 2019, teams had anywhere from seven to nine. You mentioned the New York Penn League, the Appalachian League, where I've seen some games, covered some games way back in the day. That's become a wood bat college league now. You know, hopefully that, you know, those those small towns in in that part of the country, wherever minor league baseball um, is, you know, has disappeared, that that there's alternatives for for those teams and those communities. It, it, It is a big part of. Uh, a lot of small communities in the country. The Royals, of course, are in Omaha, uh, Northwest Arkansas, Davenport, Iowa, the Quad Cities team, and then uh, Columbia, right? Columbia, South Carolina. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you see, um, like, uh, I, I just I follow um, or I have followed a little bit just through social media. Like, I know, like, Lexington doesn't have a team anymore is an affiliated team, but they're doing sort of the independent ball route. And it sounds like they've been pretty creative with sort of like making the roster more regional and trying to really, you know, make it sort of a, um, a, a local attraction and that sort of stuff. So, I mean, there's teams that are trying to make it work. Um, it's just going to be different. And then like you mentioned, you know, losing jobs, some of these places just, you know, they don't have teams. A lot of people don't have the job they had. Um, and there's going to be players who lose jobs too, because there's there's going to be a there's a cap now on number of minor leaguers. And you know, we talked to JJ Picola last week, and he was talking about just you know, there's going to be some guys who are they're going to have multiple Arizona League teams this year because they you only have those four affiliates. Um, they'll probably still have multiple um, uh, Dominican teams, but there's going to be a cap on the number of players you have. And so as you go through the season, there may be guys that. Um, to get cut where you used to be able to stash them here or there and find places for them. You just you won't be able to do that anymore either. I hate it. Like I can I can I just go on a quick um <laughs> I, I was trying I was trying to be fair and then Sam comes in with the Carmelo comes in with the let me take this shot. <laughs> my, my second Therese reference here because this is like a uh an old man baseball rant. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I hate it for everything that Lynn just said. First of all, I'm, I'm dubious about like the upgrades that are coming. Like, I think this is a cost cutting move and, and I'm dubious about like, if this is going to be better for the players that are in there, but it's, it's fewer opportunities for players to develop. And, and like, and I, Dayton put this beautifully last fall or whatever of like, you know, the guys that top out at a ball or triple a or whatever become junior college coaches or clinics and all. And there's just, there's going to be fewer of those now. 
there's fewer connections to the game and not just that for players but all these communities that are used to having teams for a lot of people you know that don't live in cities uh, that, that have major league baseball that's their connection then it's all over the country and that's how people kind of kids can grow up and, and be attracted to baseball and see the fun in baseball and for major league baseball to just sort of be chopping that off is is self-defeating and and it goes along with you know the blackout restrictions and all these other things and and it it, it drives me crazy that that baseball is doing this to itself it, it is actively limiting the number of connections that it can make with fans with potential customers and all those things it just, I, I i i hate it i hate it i i certainly wouldn't try to top that and i'll just say that the the, the best uh, observation i can make here is it was a joy watching stockton go to mellow there <laughs> I was just going to add back in the day when I was going to Mackensites a lot um, in, in the winter, it, it's, it's unbelievable how many um, minor league players would be in there holding camps for kids, right? Little, you know, from, from the smallest kids uh, up through high school age kids, they were all being guided by, you know, over, over the Christmas holidays, right? Or over the holiday period, they're, you know, minor league players would be in there picking up a few bucks and and, and teaching the kids. So, um, to to what extent that we lose that, well, I guess time will tell. But the the population of amateur baseball is is going to decrease because of this uh, because of this ruling. So, okay, guys, great conversation as always with Lynn Worthy, Bahe Gregorian, and Sam Mellinger. Uh, thanks to the University of Kansas Health System. Thank you, Beth Welsh. And thanks for those who tuned in and commented. And we'll be back next Tuesday talking Royals on Sportsbeat Live. That'll do it for today. Hey, did I mention the Royals are in first place? Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy, Sam Mellinger, and Vahe Gregorian for stopping by and talking Royals. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus many stories that appear only on the website. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. And what a great time to subscribe. The Royals are in first place. Did I mention that? Our local colleges are always making news as evidenced by Kansas hiring a football coach this week. Good luck to Lance Leipold. And of course, it is never not chief season. So how do you get this deal? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all of the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. If you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, you send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com. I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode. <music>